last, uh, the last three weeks, we've been thinking about faith in our faith series. Uh, the first part, you'll remember, was about the Samaritan woman who impressed Jesus by his knowledge. The Samaritan woman put her trust in Jesus and her faith grew when she spent time with him. Her faith in Jesus transformed her and her faith transformed her community. She became an evangelist and she made a huge impact on her community. Time with Jesus brought her transformation. And then our second part of the series, we thought about the Roman centurion who was impressed by Jesus' authority. And the centurion put his trust in Jesus and his servant was healed. Hope in Jesus brought healing. And then last week, we thought about the crowd who were impressed by Jesus' power to forgive. The paralyzed man put his trust in his friend's faith in Jesus and he was forgiven and given freedom when he was healed. Forgiveness from Jesus brought renewal. And today I'll give you the answer like I always do. We're thinking about Jairus and the woman. And Jairus and his wife were astonished by Jesus's power to heal. Jairus and the woman put their trust in Jesus and he gave them both life and he gave them both a future. Faith in Jesus for them changed everything. Uh, my teenage years were turbulent emotionally. I'm sure many people could say the same. They were not my finest days, that's for sure. I had strong emotions to try and tame, and I had very low self-esteem. However, when there were glimmers of hope about the future, I thought there were a number of ways this could go. We had a family friend who seemed to be doing very well as a driving instructor, and so I arranged for my work experience to be with a driving instructor, and I spent the week in the back of his car observing all that was happening. And I thought it would be very rewarding to help teach a person a new skill. But also, coming from a military family, there was always the military or public services. This, at times, had a very strong pull on me because of the potential for camaraderie, making my family proud, and the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives, especially in times of crisis. In the end, I actually signed up for college where I studied art and design. But when I met with Jesus at 16, it changed everything. He completely reoriented my life. There were definitely challenging times when I followed Jesus in the early days. But when I completely submitted my life to him, I experienced some of the most meaningful times in my life. Imagine how different your life might look if you possessed an absolute and unrelenting confidence in God. How differently would you respond to difficulties and temptations if you had absolute trust and confidence in God? 
It's easier to trust when things are going well in your life. But what if when bad things happened, you were confident that God could bring good out of it? Every time I read the Bible, I find I'm reminded of the simple call that we have to trust in Jesus. Imagine if you were certain that there was no need to worry because you knew that Jesus had really, really good things in store for you. Let's think about Jairus, the synagogue leader. Who was he? What did he do? He was the leader of a synagogue, which is a place of Jewish worship within a community. And he was responsible for its administration and for the ordering of public worship. This would have included ensuring the biblical scrolls were kept safe and in good condition. He instructed the boys in their learning of Torah, and he planned and led public worship. He distributed gifts and finances that had been offered for charitable causes. He had a lot to do. He was a busy man. Our church equivalent might be an elder who serves as an administrator, treasurer, youth and children's worker, and worship leader. His position within the community and religious society was prestigious. He had reached the pinnacle of what a man could hope for in his community. He had climbed the religious social ladder and he would have been highly respected and honoured wherever he went. Jairus had status. He had authority and he had the respect and support of his whole community. But suddenly those things meant nothing by comparison when he discovered that his one and only daughter was dying. Jairus came to Jesus in a state of desperation and he fell at his feet and pleaded with Jesus to help. Jesus agreed and they went on their way to the home of Jairus where the girl, his daughter, was lying in bed. What was Jairus like? It's possible he could have originally felt animosity or distrust towards Jesus because Jesus at that time was dividing opinions about him. Alternatively, it is most likely that Jairus had no issue with Jesus at all, his teaching and his ministry, unlike some prominent religious authorities and leaders who are named. If he had any issues with Jesus, he soon let them go because he knew that only Jesus could help in his situations. He knew that Jesus was the only one who could genuinely help his daughter. Jairus had been putting his trust in the religious system. Ultimately, it failed to meet his need when he needed it the most. It failed to meet his need when it really mattered. Jairus would have undoubtedly been self-reliant, confident in his own abilities, 
But here we see him humble himself because of his desperation for Jesus to intervene in his situation. In perhaps the darkest moment of his life, Jairus hoped against all hope that Jesus could transform this desperate situation. Synagogue doors across the region may have been closing on Jesus, but Jairus did not close the door of his heart to Jesus. Instead, he hoped in him. Jairus hoped in Jesus. It's amazing what desperation can do to a person. And here we see faith in action through desperation. We have Jairus, and the other prominent character is the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus and Jairus were hurrying to get to the girl. The crowd sounded fierce in their determination to see and hear Jesus, that they almost crushed him. Nonetheless, they persevered through the crowd. And we can just imagine the anxiety that was building in Jairus' heart and the distress that he must have been feeling as the delay after delay was happening. He was hoping to get to his daughter before it was too late. Then all of a sudden, Jesus stopped. He had been touched and he felt power go out from him. Who touched me? He asked the crowd. Jesus had been touched by a woman who had been subject to bleeding. She had been suffering with hemorrhages. She felt ashamed. She had been ostracized because she was considered to be ceremonially unclean by her community. Her bleeding did not stop and therefore she could never be considered clean. If after seven days the bleeding had stopped, there was a way for her to have been clean, but it didn't stop. She was in a cycle of feeling rejection. She couldn't get away from it. The law concerning bodily discharges meant that she was unclean, and anything she touched or sat on became unclean. Nobody would have wanted to touch her or get near her. This poor lady felt very, very isolated. So ashamed was she of her condition and her position within society that she used the crowd to disguise herself in order to get close to Jesus and just touch the hem of his garment. If I could just touch him, I'll be healed. This is my only chance she must have thought. The crowd denied touching Jesus. But seeing that it was difficult to disguise herself any longer, she came forward, trembling before him and before the crowd. She was scared because she knew that touching Jesus was unacceptable. She bravely confessed what she had done, that she had touched him. And she confessed that when she had touched him, she had been healed immediately. 
Moved by her faith, Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Her act of faith in reaching out to Jesus was very courageous. She believed that Jesus wouldn't condemn her, but she knew that Jesus was a man who had been showing kindness and mercy to all people from all backgrounds, even to the underclasses, the sinners, the sick, and the undesirables. Up to that moment, she'd been putting her faith in the hands of doctors, physicians, and we are told she spent her life savings in the pursuit of a cure from them, in the pursuit of a cure from her bleeding, with no success whatsoever. Perhaps the religious system had no interest in her, or those religious structures had no way of helping her. Jairus and the woman were at opposite ends of the religious system that failed to meet their needs. With their stories colliding, we see that rather than having nothing in common, they had everything in common. They needed Christ. We need Christ. When Jesus is face to face with the woman, she has his undivided attention. The crowd phase out. The other pressing issues are silenced. Jesus stopped for her and for her alone. Despite the busyness of the crowd and the demands upon him, and despite the emergency that he was racing towards, he stopped for her as if she was the only person in the entire world. We know, don't we, that Jesus had time for the one. The one person mattered to him. She was impoverished, rejected and unimportant, but she mattered to Jesus. This story is yet another example of how Jesus doesn't discriminate between people. He didn't value one person over another because of their position within society. Jesus just poured out his love to anybody who needed it. No one was excluded from his love and he dignified the undignified. He brought dignity to people who were downtrodden. After that moment, someone came to tell Jairus and Jesus that it was too late. The girl had died and they advised Jairus not to trouble Jesus anymore because it really was too late. When Jesus heard this, he said, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. In other words, Jesus said, it's not too late, trust in me. Jesus went to the girl, and he was met with mourners who ridiculed him. 
and he told them to stop weeping. Jesus said to them that she was not dead, but sleeping. Jesus sent them away, and with the girl's parents and his close disciples in the room, he took the girl's hand and he spoke words to her. Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned to her immediately, and her parents were astonished. I'm led to believe that the mourners in the story were actually paid to be there to mourn. They were not family members that felt grief. And so that's why Jesus might seem uh, insensitive, because they were not closely connected to the girl. They were fulfilling a duty that they had probably been paid to do. So, why are these two incidents connected? Why were they not just recorded separately from one another? Cleanliness was an important issue in religious society. They did not enjoy the benefits of modern hygiene that we do. Upholding standards of purity was important because the deep-rooted fear of defiling God's people and God's places of worship was in the mind of the religious elite. And elaborate guidelines were also introduced, added, in the interest of reducing dirt and preventing disease and maintaining public health. Amid this agenda to rid the religious society of anything impure, unclean and dirty, there were two obvious sources of defilement, and they're put together in this story. These pollutants were dead bodies and the spilling of bodily fluids. In this story, Jesus is touched by a woman who has been bleeding for 12 long years. Not only would she have been ostracized, but she must have been sick. In the same story, he willingly touches the dead body of a 12-year-old girl, and he holds her hand. With these two stories closely connected because of the taboo that they reveal. We have hope, and they show the hope, of the gospel breaking through. Jesus values women in society. He elevates their... Ah, sorry. Jesus values women and he elevates their position in society and he shares the pollution of sickness and death with them. And by his power, he transforms that pollution into wholeness and hope. The girl and the woman are restored and renewed and he takes on their sickness. This is the gospel Jesus takes our sickness and our pain and he carries it in his body and we are healed. 
Some of us see that healing here today on earth. And maybe some of us have to wait. But he takes our sickness and our pain. Jesus completely changed everything for these two women. Everything changed for them. For these two individuals and for those who cared about them. He was their saviour. We're coming into the part where I do the praxis, the application. The woman was losing blood, which actually represented losing her life force. Blood represented life force. She was losing her life. She was dying slowly in their eyes. And because she was dying slowly, people would have distanced themselves from her. They wouldn't have wanted to get anywhere near her. Maybe, maybe you can relate to her. Maybe you feel distanced from others, from God. Maybe you feel lonely or isolated. To you, Jesus says... Do not be afraid. Trust in me. Or maybe you can relate more to Jairus, who was understandably extremely stressed. And you feel worried and anxious about things in your life. Maybe you struggle to sleep at night through anxiety. To you, Jesus says, do not be afraid. Trust in me. Maybe you relate to the girl and you feel like your physical health or your emotional well-being is diminishing. COVID time has been a hard time for most and I'm sure we've all suffered emotionally in some way you relate to that then Jesus says to you do not be afraid trust in me tell Jesus how you feel tell someone you can trust how you feel it's very important the wonderful thing about our God is God is triune three in one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Community. Community. We are a community together and we should be able to talk to each other if we have struggles. Isn't that good news? That we are a community of Jesus' people who love him and love each other and we can carry each other's burdens as Jesus carries all burdens. And I just, I'm coming into land now. So, God loves each one of us as if we were the only person in the whole world. With whatever you are going through, do not be afraid to trust in Jesus. Because faith in him changes everything. 
Today, Jesus rushes to you. He stops for you. And he gives you his undivided attention. Like the little girl in the bed, Jesus takes your hand and he says, Arise, my beloved, arise. I am with you, trust in me. And then he breathed his breath on him, on her. Her, her life came back when he touched her. Jesus wants to give us life. He wants to breathe his breath of life over us and give us courage and lead us forward. Bring us from death to life. And so I summarize with this. Faith is trusting in Jesus. Do not be afraid. Trust in Jesus with your life. Trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that each one of us matters to you and that you stop for each one of us. May we remember that today, that wherever we are, we can talk to you and you hear us and you respond. Thank you that you've called us to be a community of people who love and I pray you inspire us by your spirit to outdo each other in acts of love to each other. Lord, I pray for each one of my friends here and on Zoom that they will have a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.